Welcome back to Breaking Point with Prince of Podcasts, Matt Ballard. Um, today we're going to talk about a. Uh, we're we're going to go back in time. We'll get in the DeLorean, type in 1961, and we're just going to go back in time to 1961. This guy was classed as Australia's first true serial killer. Um, in case, in case no one knows, um, you'd have to be pretty, uh, pretty into uh, into serial killers to know who this guy is. And this guy, he's uh, you've got um, the thing I like. Uh, actually, I don't like it. Well, yeah, I do. Um, the guy that when. You, when they talk, when serial killers have names, they give them nicknames. I don't know who gives them nicknames, whether it's the media or the way they give themselves the nicknames. Um, except for the Zodiac, because he coined himself as the uh, as the Zodiac. Um, so this guy, so he was nicknamed the Mutilator. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Not cool for his victims. Um, he actually died four years ago, this guy. He was born in 1924. Died nine, 2015 at the age of 90. Well, he's lived... He lived quite the life. Um, active between 61 and 62. Um, life imprisonment. Five victims... And he died from abdominal perforation. All right, so introducing the mutilator, Mr. William MacDonald. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so, Mr. William MacDonald, the mutilator. I, I remember reading about him a while ago, actually. Um, Terrorised Sydney, New South Wales, with a string of gruesome murders before being apprehended while working as a porter at the Melbourne's Spencer Street Railway Station. His modus operandi <laughs> was to select his male victims at random, mostly derelicts. So, well, like that makes it better. Yeah, let's just, well, it's only a derelict, don't worry about it. Um, lure them into a dark place, violently stab them dozens of times, mind you, about the head and neck with a long bladed knife, and wait for it, wait for it, sever their penis and testicles. Well, that's. <laughs> Oh, I'd hate to... Oh, that would hurt. Well, not if you're dead, but... Anyway, I don't condone chopping off uh, um, certain body parts. I don't condone murder. I don't condone any of this. But it was the 60s. Fun times. Things happen. Um, all right, so next up... Um, next up, we're going to talk about um, William's... Early life, um, I, I still can't get over the whole um, chopping off the old uh, penis and testicles. Uh, that's pretty insane. I wonder what he did with them. We'll get onto that. I'm sure as I read throughout this whole thing, um, yeah, I need to have a short break because I'm going to laugh my head off. Um, okay, we'll be back shortly. All right, 
Alrighty, welcome back again. Um, okay, so let's... I'm over my laughing fit now. Uh, early life for Mr. Mutilator. Um, still wonder who called him that. Okay, so he, when he was 19, it was 1943 when he was 19, he enlisted in the army and transferred to the Lancashire Fusiliers. Uh, one night he was raped in an air raid shelter by one of his corporals, which... Uh, Seemed to have went on um, back in those days, um, back in the military. Who knows what else happened? Um, first, he was traumatised, um, but later came to the conclusion that he enjoyed the experience, um, which, however, preyed on his mind for the rest of his life. Wow. So, traumatised, tried to come to terms with the fact that um, one of his corporals uh, got to him. Um, yeah, yeah, my, yeah, discharged from the army, 1947, he was diagnosed as having schizophrenia and committed several months, for several months to a mental asylum where daily he was treated with electroconvulsive therapy. Hmm, schizophrenia, schizophrenia, schizophrenia. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, Everyone's quite aware what happens with schizophrenia. Um, he uh, emigrated from England to Canada in 1949 and then to Australia in 1955. Mm. So, Australia's first serial killer, but he wasn't Australian. Interesting. Uh, shortly after his arrival, he was arrested and charged for touching a detective's penis in a public toilet. Um, for this, he was placed on a two-year good behaviour bond touched a detective's penis in a public toilet. Okay. Did he let him or... Well, I wonder how that came about. Um, 1961, he moved to Sydney. He found accommodation in East Sydney where it became well-known in the parks and public toilets that were, due to the oppression of mainstream society, surreptitious meeting places for homosexual men. Right, so did... um. Did a bit of uh, late night toilet shopping. Um, and yeah, could have, a glory hole maybe? Who knows? Um, I don't condone this. Ah, crimes. What did he do? So the, the first guy that, um, they're all men, basically. Um, okay, the murders began in Brisbane in 1960. That was victim one. But it said he was 61 to 62. That's when it happened. So I don't think anyone knows what date they're talking about. Uh, McDonald befriended a 55-year-old man named Amos Hurst outside the Roma Street Railway Station. After a long drinking session at one of the local pubs, they went back to Hurst's apartment where they consumed more alcohol. Okay. As you do. When Hurst became intoxicated, McDonald began to strangle him. Hurst was so intoxicated that he did not realise what was happening and eventually began to hemorrhage. Holy Jesus. So, jeez, he must have been strangling him pretty hard. Um, blood poured from his mouth and onto McDonald's hands. McDonald then punched Hurst in the face, killing him. That is one strong punch. Five days later, he found Hurst's name in a newspaper obituary column. It said, Amos Hurst died accidentally. Wow. McDonald had been in the terror... For the, in, 
McDonald had been in terror for the police arresting him for the murder, even though he was certain that he had that no one had seen him leave Hurst's room. Okay. Yeah, he did choking someone till they hemorrhage. Bloody hell. And then <laughs> fucking one punch. That's all it took to kill him. Um old Alfred Alfred Reginald Greenfield, victim number two. Uh, 4th of June, 61. Police were summoned by, to the Sydney Domain Baths. Now, if I've got some overseas listeners, a baths, baths, is like a swimming pool. Oh, but they usually it's like a whole heap of pools. Like you've got a 50 metre, 25 metre, couple of little kiddie pools and, um, and things like that. So back then they called them the baths. I don't. I don't call them the baths, I call them the pool. So anyway, a man's nude corpse uh, had been found savagely stabbed 30 times. That's a very specific number. And with the genitalia completely severed from his body. Alfred Greenfield became the second victim claimed by the killer, soon to be dubbed the mutilator. Jeez. The, what? Like, do you, do you sit there and... and what happens when you do these things? Do you think, oh, I wonder, wonder what's going to happen when I, when I do this? What are they going to call me? Um, you know, like, what if, what, if, oh, what if you stab someone in the arse? Um, would you be called the arse stabber? Or the arse, yeah, something. Who knows? So, um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Reginald... Alfred Reginald Greenfield had been sitting on a park bench in Green Park just across the road from St Vincent's Hospital in uh, Darlinghurst. Um, MacDonald, with his uh, MO, offered Greenfield a drink and lured him to the nearby domain baths on the pretext of providing more alcohol. Once at the domain, the need to kill had become overwhelming. MacDonald waited until Greenfield fell asleep, then removed his knife from its sheath and stabbed Greenfield Oh, approximately 30 times. The ferocity of the first blow severed the arteries in Greenfield's neck. McDonald then pulled down Greenfield's trousers and underwear. Oh, there you go. Severed his genitals and threw them into Sydney Harbour. Wow. Sydney Harbour. Some fish would have got to that real quick. Had a good feed on, a, on his uh, genitalia. Ah, William Cobbin, victim number three. Well, similarly, similarly to the second victim, William Cobbin was stabbed repeatedly and mutilated by none other than the mutilator. His body was found in a public toilet at Moore Park. Um, Moore Park is a uh, small suburb, 3K southeast of Sydney, uh, the Sydney CBD. Uh, in case anyone wanted to know that use, useful information. Uh, on this night, McDonald was walking down uh, South Dowling Street where he met 55-year-old William Cobbin. Hold on. 55? So, oh, it's, like, it's like, almost like he's getting people that are the same age. How would he know? McDonald lured his victim to Moore Park and drank beer with him in a public toilet. Yeah. Yep. Because uh, you drink beer in a public toilet, 
Hey, you want to go down to the public toilet for a beer? Yep, sure, mate. No worries. Just before the attack, McDonald put on his plastic raincoat. Oh my goodness. A bit like uh, oh, Patrick Bateman from um, American Psycho when he did the old Huey Lewis uh, little dance. and It was a good movie. Um, <laughs> Cobbin was sitting on the toilet seat drinking uh, when McDonald, using an uppercut motion, struck Cobbin in the neck with a knife. So he's, he's to put it into perspective, he's had, it, he's had his hand down by his waist, had a knife there, got his um, plastic raincoat on, um, using an uppercut motion, uh, just straight up into the neck. In the neck? Yeah. Severing his um, jugular vein. Now, the jugular veins are veins that take deoxygenated blood from the back the head back to the heart via the superior vena cava. There you go. Blood spattered all over McDonald's arms, face and plastic raincoat. Cobbin tried to defend himself by raising his arms. McDonald continued to stab his victim multiple times, covering the toilet cubicle with blood. McDonald then severed the victim's genitals, surprise, surprise, put them in a plastic bag with the knife and departed the scene. On the way home, McDonald washed the blood off his hands and face. Doesn't say what, um, it doesn't really say what he's done with the, uh, with the genitals either. Did he keep the knife or the genitals? I, I don't know. I'm sure um, as I proceed further into a little bit of history about Australia's first serial killer that wasn't even from Australia. All right, so I might just go and grab a drink now, so, um, and sort of regain some composure, um, get a little bit excited. Um, reading about uh, the mutilator. Once again, murder's not fun. Some uh, interesting sort of interludes there. Okay, so next up, uh, victim number four, um, Frank Gladstone McLean. Now, I... Don't do these. I don't like the whole seriousness of, of podcasts. Um, people get bored listening. I mean, people get bored listening. You know, it's just, it's the voice. It's, it's not as it's not an exciting sound. Um, they just. I, I when I listen to podcast, I listen. There's actually um, if anyone does want a um, good podcast to listen to. I'm, I'm going to freely promote this uh, one. Uh, History Dweebs. Um, you'll find them on Apple Podcasts. Um, they're quite funny. They, they do the uh, whole uh, different spin on murder. And it's interesting. A couple of, couple of funny characters on there. Anyway, let's get back to Frank. Frank. 31st of March, 1962, in suburban Darlinghurst, New South Wales. The mortally wounded Frank McLean was found by a man walking with his wife and child. He was the victim of an unfinished assault committed by the mutilator. The man found McLean still breathing but heavily bleeding and went to the police. On this day, McDonald brought a knife from a sports store in Sydney. 
That night, MacDonald left the Oxford Hotel in Darlinghurst and followed McLean down Burke Street past the local police station. Jeez, that's game. MacDonald initiated conversation with McLean and suggested they have a drinking session around the corner in Burke Lane. Hmm. There's a lot of... It, if someone come up to me in the street while I was walking home at night and someone said, Hey, mate, you want to go for a beer? I don't, I don't know this guy. Um, why, why would I? Why would I go for a beer with him? Um, it's, it's a stranger. Stranger danger. Kids, this, this is why you don't talk to strangers for this exact same reason. I do not condone this at all. Anyway, um, as I entered Burke Lane, McDonald plunged his knife into McLean's throat. Okay, so McLean didn't even get to have a drink. McLean tried to fight off the attack, attack, but he was too intoxicated to do so. Oh, I get it now. So he's picking on the guys that are drunk already. Hey. Um, he was then stabbed again in the face and punched, forcing him off balance. The assault was interrupted by a young family approaching. Uh, the mutilator hid himself on hearing voices and the sound of a baby's cry. Once the man and his family had left to summon police, McDonald returned to the barely alive McLean, pulled him into, pulled him further into the lane and stabbed him again. A total of six stab wounds were inflicted. He then pulled down McLean's trousers, surprise, surprise, sliced off his genitals, and put them into a plastic bag, which he took home and disposed of the next day. The police at one stage thought the killer could have been a deranged surgeon. Oh, deranged surgeon. That's different. The manner in which McLean's genitals were removed were seen to be done by someone with years of his surgical experience. Doctors at one stage found themselves under investigation. Well, you cut off enough uh, genitals and you kind of know which way to do it, don't you? I mean, the, the um, knife's probably extremely sharp. It did say he bought it from a sports store. Um... It'd be interesting to know what sort of knife it was, actually. Um, so, he had, he had a residence in Burwood Road in Concord. Um, if anyone wants to know where Concord is, Google it, because I don't know. After being dismissed from his job at the local post office, where he had been hired as a letter sorter under the assumed name of Alan Edward Brennan, uh, the mutilator went into business for himself. He purchased a mixed business store in Concord, again, under the assumed name of Alan Edward Brennan. Here, he intended to sell sandwiches and small goods, living in rooms above the store. He actually lived there for only about a week after paying the purchase deposit. Mm, that was where his uh, little, little home base was, so he could go back to it. I guess, okay, um, let's talk about... Uh, victim number five, Patrick James Hackett. Hackett. Um, Hackett. That's quite fitting for the uh, for the story today. Um, on the night of Saturday, sixth of June, nineteen sixty-two. So this was the last time he was to kill by severing body parts. Uh, the mutilator went to a wine saloon in Pitt Street, Sydney. 
where he met 42-year-old James Hackett. James Hackett. Why do I know that? Um, Hackett. Oh, yeah, that swimmer. Um, a thief and a derelict who had just recently um, been released from prison. They went back to McDonald's new residence where they continued to drink alcohol. After a short period, Hackett fell asleep on the floor. McDonald then got out a boning knife that he used in his delicatessen. He stabbed Hackett in the neck, the blow passing straight through. After the first blow, Hackett woke up and tried to shield himself, pushing the knife back into McDonald's other hand and cutting it severely. The mutilator then unleashed a renewed attack, eventually striking the knife into Hackett's heart, killing him instantly. He continued to stab his victim until he had to stop for breath. Hackett's blood was splattered all over the walls and all over the floor. The knife had become blunt. McDonald was unable to sever his victim's genitals and fell asleep. When he awoke the next morning, he found himself lying next to the body covered in sticky dry blood. Pools of blood soaked through the floorboards and almost onto the counter in his shop downstairs. He cleaned himself and went to hospital to have the wound in his hand stitched. He told the doctor he'd cut himself in his shop. After cleaning up the blood, McDonald dragged Hackett's corpse underneath his shop, believing the police would come soon looking for the victim. He also fled to Brisbane, which is north of Sydney. Further up, next state over, or next state up. Um, three weeks later, neighbours noticed the putrid smell coming from the shop and called the health department, which in turn called the police. Uh, police discovered the rotting corpse on the 20th of November, 1962. That was ages ago. That was like... June, July, that was a few months. Uh, it was too badly decomposed to be identified. An autopsy determined that the body was of someone in their 40s, 42 to be exact, which tallied with records of the missing shop owner, Alan Edward Brennan, McDonald's alias. In late July, the police still made no connection between the case and the three previous mutilator killings and had profiled the killers operating in Sydney's inner eastern suburbs, which were many miles distant from Concord. Mm. It's uh yeah, so well here's um here's the next bit. Um after investigations the victim was incorrectly identified as Alan Edward Brennan, aka slash mutilator slash mutilator, and a notice published in the newspaper obituary column. This was read by his former workmates at the local post office who was tended a small memorial service because that's where they thought he they thought he was dead. Um, at this time, the mutilator was living in Brisbane and then off to New Zealand, um, believing the police would still look for him, and so on. He also felt the need to kill again, but for some reason he had, had to return to Sydney to do it. Returning to Sydney, he met former workmate John McCarthy, who said, I believe you had died, at which the mutilator replied, leave me alone, and ran away, travelling to Melbourne soon after. Uh, Mr. McCarthy, John McCarthy, um, J-Mac, uh, went straight to the police. At first, they did not believe him. They accused him of having had, having had too much to drink and was, to hold, to hold? Oh, and was told to go home and sleep it off. They even said he was crazy. Well, because you want to report... Okay. Um, they must think everyone's an alcoholic down there at those, those days. It's my dog barking, if anyone can hear it. Um, so, um, yeah, so they said he was crazy, 
and uh, my dog's still going. It's probably someone here. Doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, they dubbed it the case of the walking corpse. Uh, and I'll be right back. Hello again. Um, we're up to the, the walking corpse. Um, and that was where the dog interrupted. So I had to go and talk to the dog and tell the dog that I was doing a podcast and not to bother me. Um, in which the dog replied with a nod. So, the fingerprints, when they exhume the corpse of, um, of uh, the James, James Hackett, um, they found it was not William MacDonald, which they thought was William MacDonald, but it was James Hackett. It's confusing. Um, closer examination found that the body had several stab wounds and mutilation of the penis and testicles, linking the crime to none other than the mutilator. There you go. So when it came to catching the mutilator himself, um, the Sydney police obtained, ob obtained an identity kit, picture of McDonald. Uh, it was circulated to every newspaper in the nation. Nation means national, Australia-wide, just in case you didn't know that. McDonald had taken up a job on the Melbourne Railway, being hired as David Allen. David Allen. It's quite a name. Even though he tries to disguise himself by dyeing his hair and growing a moustache. He was instantly recognised by his workmates. Police arrested him as he collected his pay. Um, when he was questioned, he uh, readily admitted to the killings, um, blaming the irresistible urge, which we've, we've gone through this many times on previous episodes um, about the, the old irresistible urge. What urges people, what, but like, is it like an urge to wee? Or is it like an urge to slap someone in the mouth if they're talking wrong? Um, or saying, saying some bad stuff to you? I don't know. That's something I'd like to explore in later podcasts. Um, yes, I know they're, they're half serious and some are serious, some are not. Um, I, I like to put that spin on things, as you all know. Um, plus, you, you know, I'm, I'm trying new things. I'm, I'm branching out, um, trying different things with uh, podcasts. I just, just want to see where it all goes, really. Um, I don't think I really have an end game. Um, I just like talking. So he, um, he claimed he was the victim of a rape as a teenager and was inflicting his revenge on victims chose at random. Uh, he said he had schizophrenia, that he heard voices in his head telling him that his victims were the corporal who raped him as a teenager. He was charged with four counts of murder and committed for trial 19, 15th of August 1963. The trial was one of the nation's most sensational at the time. Um, MacDonald pleaded not guilty on the grounds of insanity and testified in great detail to the gruesome murders. Um, he told the court how blood had sprayed all over his raincoat as he castrated his victims and put all their private uh, parts into a plastic bag and took them home. 
Ah, he even told the court what he did with the genitals once he got home. Uh, nobody wants to really know. Doesn't say either, which is good, because um, it's, it's just past lunchtime here, and and uh, I've got a full belly. Some jurors fainted and had to be taken from the court. The jury chose to ignore overwhelming evidence for insanity in handing down a guilty verdict, which had amazed expert psychiatrists. They, they get off on it. You know, the whole thing of um, get off on, on insanity grounds, I don't, I don't like that. Um, if you're going to murder someone, you obviously, you, you, especially premeditated murder, you've planned it out. You're going to do it. Um, so why would it amaze expert psychiatrists? It was, it was planned. He, he was going to do it anyway. Um, there's none of this insanity shit. Or, so what, he had schizophrenia. Um, so before passing sentence, uh, Mr. Justice McLennan, what a name. What a name. So, um, before he uh, passed the sentence, he said it was the most barbaric case of murder and the total disregard for human life that had come before him in his many years on the bench. Uh, the mutilator showed no signs of remorse and made it quite clear that if he were free, he would go on killing. He was sentenced to five consecutive life sentences with the strong recommendation that he never be released. And never be released, he wasn't. Was. Wasn't. Uh, he was imprisoned at Long Bay Hospital, a division of Long Bay Correctional Centre, um, but was soon certified as insane. Wow. And transferred to a secure mental hospital. Um, in prison system, McDonald was simply known as Bill. And um, just ignore the dog. Um, he, he was in prison for that long that he became institutionalised. He was the longest continuous serving inmate in the prison. He uh, also stated in 2003, I've no desire to go and live on the outside. I wouldn't last five minutes. He died 12th of May, 2015, age 90, while still in prison. Longest serving. Wow. So, uh, what you can all take from this is if you're out and about and you just come out of the, the pub and someone says, do you want to go for a drink? Then you say no. Because... You don't want to end up like any of these guys. Now, whilst I'm all uh, fun and laughter and, and, and jokes and, you know, putting a different perspective and spin on particular, uh, particular events, um, some might think it's a little bit unsavoury with the things I say. Uh, well, you could just get over it because there's more things to worry about in the world than someone talking smack on a podcast we all know as i've said just about every episode murder's not fun not fun at all um this is this is not not good no one condones any of this sort of behavior um and that's that's william mcdonald um bit of a bit of a clog up in the um, in the justice oh, justice system. They put people in jail 
everyone has their own views of what they should do with people like this. Um, you know, especially such violent um, murders. Um, so whether whether the death penalty should be brought back on certain things, I don't know. That's not up for me to decide. I'm sure if the, the if they have to start building more prisons, we know something's wrong. Um, or just transfer them interstate into another prison. They're just going to have like prisons everywhere full of people. Well, thanks for listening. Um, I I enjoyed doing this podcast. Um, I ha- I hadn't done any research on this guy beforehand. I've heard about him. I've heard about the things that he he's done. Um, but that's basically as as far as I went. So I'm learning and you're learning um, together. So we learnt together today um, about the mutilator, William MacDonald, um, and the convenient names that the people have, like Justice. Okay, so I'm Matt Ballard. Once again, thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Bye for now. La, 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 la.